Yo, what's up? This is Jacoby from Papa Roach. This is Ryan Leaf. This is Rich Roll, and you're listening to Silver Guy Radio. Thank you for tuning in today. Thanks to humans for bringing us in. Thanks to you for supporting the show. Have you checked out the I Am Sober app? If not, you can go to that soberguy.com right now and you can download it there for free. I Am Sober is helping thousands of people just like you get sober and stay sober. You can get an overview of your sobriety milestones. You can track how much money you've saved over the years. I think I've saved roughly $30,000 if I did it at $20 a day. Uh, from the time I got sober a little over four years ago. Um, You can also get daily notifications to help keep you on track and give you a little motivation, um, help keep you headed in the right direction. So you can get the app. You can go to IamSoberApp.com. And you can find it there. That's their website. Uh, you can also go to that soberguy.com in the right hand side. There's a couple of uh, links there. You can download it at the iTunes app store or the Google play store. Go there, check out the I am sober app today. All right. Our guest today is Joel Jacobson and uh, Joel is a neurofeedback clinician at the Betty Ford center in Los Angeles. And she's also a highly sought after addiction specialist and she's been working in the mental health field for over 20 years as a licensed marriage and family therapist in, in private practice uh, and a school counselor and also working with substance use disorder and eating disorders. So, Joel, I feel like we, we already had a little pre-discussion before we started recording right now. I know there's a lot more to your bio and there's a lot we want to get into today. Uh, so I'm going to turn it over to you. Um, uh, have you tell us a little bit more about yourself and then let's jump right into this thing. Okay. Thank you, Shane. I'm so grateful to be on the show and looking forward to our conversation. So I work for Hazelden Betty Ford. I specifically work at our, at the Betty Ford West LA outpatient program. And, uh, we are luckily we are, um, in network with every major insurance carrier. So, Mm. And we will be talking a lot about insurance uh, in this, <laughs> on this on this call, but yeah. um, but we are an ethical program, and I am grateful to be part of it. And uh, we have doctorate and master level uh, people working at the outpatient program, which is is different from other programs. We have um, we also have a nurse at our program as well. There is medication-assisted treatment in answer to the opioid epidemic. And uh, that's kind of, we don't have to talk about me. Let's talk about helping people. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. I want to, I want to, you know, we're, we're kind of getting to know each other a bit. I think it's important to, uh, to, to talk about the work you do too. I mean, obviously there's something that, um, you know, before we get into that, there's something that brought you into this field, whether it's just a, a, um, a desire to help other people. Is it, you know, something personal in, um, you know, w- with, with a family member or a friend or something? I mean, what, what really got you interested in, uh, in helping other people through therapy, whether it's in marriages in in schools or people with substance abuse or eating disorders? Um, you know, I've I've always been interested in in helping people in this in the addiction field and the eating disorder field. I 
had a lot of um, experience with that uh, with different people in my life growing up and uh, in my adult life as well. And I just wanted to be more a part of the solution, yeah. which is which is um, when I started my my practice and and my company Teen Talkline. I really saw a need for for young females that needed support and and uh, and direction and just a, a you know a sounding board. And then when I I got more involved in the treatment field, I was so fortunate to have connected with 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 Hazelden Betty Ford because I know that what we do is is you know saving lives on an ethical level and uh we are also very involved with advocacy which is yeah. extremely important especially right now with all of the unscrupulous behavior that's going on in our industry uh, of course, we have the history of of you know Betty Ford and 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 her initially coming out and and bringing awareness to to breast cancer and encouraging uh, females and, or really everyone to to get mammograms because breast cancer can happen to males as well. And then she went on and she was that she was even more brave and courageous to come out and discuss her her uh, alcoholism and, yeah. and issues. And then she opened up Betty Ford in the 80s. And it's interesting because when she was looking to open Betty Ford, she actually went to Hazelden to look at their program and their model and what they were doing and a lot of uh, what what she implemented at her program was from Hazelden. And now, you know, past four years, they, they married and we are yeah. now... Betty Ford. So it's a really, it's a great story. Uh, but I am blessed, blessed to be a part of the organization. Yeah. She, um, uh, Betty Ford, she, I mean, she was really one of the, one of the first females to really come out right in the public and on, on such a large platform and, and well-known woman that she was, uh, being yeah. a, a first lady, um, and say like, I have a problem with alcohol and own it. Right. And kind of step up to the plate and say, like, I know there's more of, of you ladies out there that are struggling with this and it's okay. Is that, is that a fair statement? Absolutely. And especially, you know, with females, yes, and then even people in the public eye, high-profile people yeah. who need to, you know, have their public face on at all times, and you know, but they're you know slowly falling apart, and so that also gave people the hope that they could get help as well. Yeah. If first lady could do it then right then anyone can come out and, and get help and and you know survive it if you will or pursue yeah. and so so now she's incredible incredible woman a true pioneer in in the industry what about you you mentioned and i read too um in in some of the info i was reading up on some of the work that you've done the teen talk line um are you still operating that and and whether yes or no can you just tell us a little bit about what that is Yes. Yeah, so uh, when I was working, I, I worked on and off as a as an academic and personal counselor at an all girls school. And what I was finding is that they were so 
busy with their after school activities and building their college resume with with SAT prep and with their uh, you know extracurriculars that they really didn't have time to go to a therapist. And when they did have the time, it was eleven o'clock at night. Yeah. So I decided to, along with my regular private practice, I decided to have to build an adolescent arm called Teen Talk Line, which would allow adolescents to to speak to me via telehealth, which is video conference. Mm. And so I could be, you know, on the phone with them on a HIPAA compliant video uh, program with them when it was convenient for them. So they wouldn't miss out on, on getting support. But also with, with Teen Talk Line on my website, I have a lot of resources for people that aren't in the area because I'm licensed in California, so I can't speak to people. Even though it's, even though it's, um, you know, online, if you will, I still yeah. can't speak to someone who's not in California. So I also set up the website so people could get help and information. And I see. I never saw them at all. So, so that, that way, they they would have a resource, in other words, to go to the website to pull info. But you just, you know, legally you can't talk to them, but there's still a resource there for them. Right. So there are PDF files on, do I have a, do I have a drinking problem or what are the signs of an eating disorder or, or, you know, discussing self injury, uh, signs of child abuse. If there's really sexual abuse rather for, for parents is, is my child in trouble? So, so different things like that. And, and, um, and there are documentary links, there are book suggestions, um, so it's, it's a, it's a great resource. The site. What's the be- site by, by the way? It's actually, it's teen talk line.org. Cool. Mm-hmm. Teen talk line.org. All right. We'll put that in the show notes too. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then just, you know, just on a, on another note, which is, which is similar. If org is, is the site of, of the organization. And they also have an education section where when people are contemplating, you know, they're still in the, the first stage of the stages of, of change. There is a lot of information for people that are, that are looking for help. And there is, even assessments they can take online to see if they really do need help. Um, there are articles, there are webinars, which I really, I love because everyone is ready and they still need to kind of research. So, so that's kind of what, you know, so similar to that, just really getting it, getting the word out there, getting, um, people the right resources that will help them not hurt them. And (laughs) uh, yeah, so that's, that's the goal. So that's, so when I was able to connect with, with Betty Ford, our value system was very much in line and, uh, that's why I feel very, very yeah. Well, it's good. It's good to know that there's, you know, good, good people out there like you that are actually fighting for good because you, you've already alluded to it. I've had you know, many conversations with many different people within the recovery community and the recovery industry as a whole about all the bullshit that's going on right now and, and how dirty, uh, some of the things that are going on really are. And that's one of the things to kind of transition our, our conversation here into this. Um, 
that's some of the stuff we're going to talk about also today. Internet scams, um, uh, rehabs that are, are not legitimate and, um, and, and how we can kind of navigate through some of those. What are some of the steps we can take to, um, you know, be, be cautious and be aware and, and find the good spots and not the bad ones. So, um, I guess kind of, I guess what, what are, what are some of the things to kind of blanket it just to, to set this thing off? What are some of the main things that you're seeing right now, um, that are, you know, main problems within, within the recovery community or the recovery industry? I mean, how much time do we have? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I know we could sit and go for days, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> right. But, but, but in, in, in all fairness, they, there are many, many incredible people in this industry doing the right thing, just working tirelessly to save lives. And so I want to acknowledge those people, even though we're going to go to the dark side soon. Um, I just, you know, I don't want people to think that this is, all unscrupulous behavior because it isn't Joel. Thank you for doing my job for me right there because I totally failed on that. And I should have said that beforehand too. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) No, really, because you're, you're, you're so right. Like I've met so many great, like phenomenal people. Um, and I I would say I've definitely met more good people than, than, than shitty people. Right. Selfless. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm hmm. Um, but that being said, not everyone is like that. And there are people, unfortunately, out there that are preying on this vulnerable population. And so it's really important that especially parents uh, understand what they're getting involved in when they make a phone call. And young people, newcomers that are at meetings that are approached by um, other people in, in recovery when they're offered a free sober living, what does that mean? And really is anything free in life, right? Is anything free in life? I think there's always a cost to something. I don't know. (laughs) Exactly. So, So when it's too good to be true, it usually is. And so it's important for people just to have their antennas up what's going on. And this, this happens to us at the West LA program people will come in and they're in our program and they're in a sober living and they will either, they're either told by the sober living owner that they need to leave our program and go to the IOP that they're partnered with, or they will get kicked out of their sober living or they will, you know, as I mentioned before, they'll be at an AA meeting um, or an NA meeting or a recovery aid meeting. And, uh, they're told, you know, leave Betty Ford, come to my sober living and uh, an RIOP and the sober living will be free. We just will bill your insurance. There will be nothing out of pocket for you. But what they don't mention is that when their insurance benefits run out, they will be kicked out of the sober living because the intensive outpatient programs pay the sober livings anywhere from three to five K per bed. Oh, wow. And that's the insurance money that they're getting from what they're billing from the patient. So when they're, when the insurance runs out, they are not going to pay the sober living owner because they're not making any money. So they're 
money off of their insurance for the actual program. They're making money off of the drug tests. And so, so what will happen is, you know, someone will say, well, you know, this person guaranteed me this, this IOP guaranteed me, uh, you know, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. And you cannot ever guarantee a length of stay. If you're going through insurance, no treatment owner can guarantee a length of stay. The only person that the only the insurance companies control that completely. So when it's time when it's time for the review of the patient, then the counselor will do something called the utilization review. They'll send it into the insurance company saying, you know, we really think this person should stay. And the insurance company decides. And if they decide the person shouldn't stay, then they leave. So, so, so is that, is, and I don't mean to interrupt you real quick, but I just want to clarify this. Is that, is that a red flag right there is kind of what you're saying is that if someone comes, and this is really for those out, out there listening right now, if you get somebody coming up to you saying, hey, I can guarantee you, you know, 30 days or 60 days or right. a week or two, however long it is. Red flag. Um, red, red flag for sure. Like do red some due flag. diligence and look into that shit. Like don't just go jump head first in. Absolutely. So, so, so you cannot ever guarantee a length of stay. That is a lie. Uh, there are, there are treatment centers who will actually guarantee a length of stay, fly the patient out there to wherever their treatment center is. And now they've been discharged within five days. They're on the street in the middle of nowhere. Wow. Yeah. And that, uh, and that place just got paid a, a lump sum of money by the insurance. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, so, so it's really important to know who you're getting the referrals from. The internet is not the place. The internet is not the place. It's important to get a referral from a friend or a friend of a friend, but someone that you know is an ethical person. Yeah. Um, you know, there was that whole, the whole issue with Google now no longer, um, they're now monitoring the Google ads and other search engines are doing the same thing because, um, it started to get extremely expensive for PPC for pay per click, mm. uh, or the treatment centers to place ads. So it was anywhere between $70 and a hundred dollars per click. Wow. And that's kind of another way that treatment centers, or, you know, sober livings or whoever, what, whichever treatment provider would get customers because, because the, the unethical treatment centers or, or, you know, programs, they're not looking at, at the people that are dying. They're not looking at them as human beings. They're looking at them as customers. They're looking at them as, as number signs. Yeah. And, um, they don't care what happens to them at all. So when you have, when you have a patient broker, for example, someone who has been paid by a treatment center or whatever entity that is involved in treatment to go and get clients for them. And they're asked to go to, you know, the homeless population and offer them to buy them insurance and to get them to the treatment program, they know full well that that 
homeless person is going to be discharged anywhere between, you know, five to 20 days. And they're going to be discharged back to the street where they're going to relapse. There's no discharge plan. Um, and they'll find that person again and bring them back to treatment to charge their insurance again. And it keeps, it's just, it's cyclic. How many times can they do that? How many times can they get away with that before, you know, somebody raises question about it? I mean, is, are we talking like two, three, four times? Or are we talking 10 plus? Okay, and, well, and, so and, and one, one time is too many just to clarify, but I'm just curious, like how, how many times does this shit actually happen? Well, so, okay. So here's, here's, it's a great question. So what happens is the person who is, you know, guaranteed that length of stay and or that treatment is free, what happens is they will go to a treatment center thinking they're going there for residential or inpatient, but they, they may move through those levels of care faster than any other treatment center would ever move them through these levels of care. Yeah. And the reason is, is because as I was, as we were talking about before that the insurance company will step you down as soon as they can. Hmm. And so the minute the patient is stepped down, then that person, then they're going to lose the insurance money. Right. So, so they keep, they keep the person in using up all of their benefits, all of the levels of care. Wow. So then they discharge thinking they were just in residential, not realizing that the comp that the organization has used all of their benefits. They've used residential and inpatient. They've also used day treatment. They've also used or PHP partial hospitalization, or they've used, and they've also used their intensive outpatient. They've also used their continuing care. And they, so that, so then when they discharge thinking they're going home, they're going to go to an IOP, they have no more benefits. Man, that is crazy. Right. So what are some of the other red, red flags to look for? Well, so, so really, you know, again, a huge red flag is free. Nothing's free. Mm -hmm. Um, another red flag would be if, if, if you call a sober living and you ask if they take insurance and they say yes, sober livings do not take insurance. Treatment does not happen there ever. I see. Uh, so that's another red flag. So if they say they take insurance and that means that they're connected to an intensive outpatient program who is paying them. Oh, I see. Per bed. Um, another, another red flag would be if they're offering to fly you out, if they're offering you money to come to their program, which you never want to give someone money who is contemplating recovery or someone new in recovery. You never give someone money in that situation. That's you may as well give them a loaded gun. Um, it's so crazy that that actually works though, too, that like here, here's some money. I really, I'm, I, I want to help you so bad. I'm going to give you money to come, you know, and, and, I, and it's, it's just a, it's a jacked up situation either way. Um, right. But it's just crazy to me that there are people out there willing to go to that length to commit this fraud basically, you know, and not only that, then you kind of attach it to the point you already made about, 
are you not looking at these people? Well, obviously they're not, but how do you not look at these people as human beings? Like these people are, are sick. They're, they're, you know, they, yeah. they've, many of them have, um, terrible, terrible histories, abuse, um, not just substance abuse, but other, all types of other things. Yeah. And it's, I've, I heard the term before a while back heads in beds and that one always stuck with me and it just like irritated yeah. me. I hated That's- it. Yeah, so so that's exactly right. And um, so what happens is the person that wants to get people into their program will pay someone to will pay someone the referral fee to uh, get uh. a head in a bed, right? And so that can be anywhere from you know a hundred dollars to seven thousand dollars. I was offered five thousand dollars for a referral. Wow! And at first, I thought. What is what is this guy talking about? We we refer back and forth to each other. Why would he want to pay me? And I oh, oh. <laughs> man, second because I, I couldn't. I I was so taken aback. Um, because just what we do in our industry is is we refer back and forth to one another. We, yeah. you know, and if we don't know the referral, we will find the referral. We're not getting paid for that. We don't, you know, especially, you know, for in our organization, the people who are in outreach, no one gets commission for getting someone into their program. That's just, yeah. this is just, you're not, this is not a, um, yeah. It's, We're not selling it's, cars here. All right. Like, come on. Exactly. <laughs> no. You know? So, um, so, but, but there are, I mean, this is a $35 billion industry. So where there's money, there are going to be people who are unethical and who are opportunists and who don't look at human beings as human beings. And they look at them as numbers. And, and you know, as I said before, dollar signs. They're not mothers and fathers and sons and daughters, sisters, brothers. I mean, they're not, they're, they're non, they're just a number. Yeah. And yeah. so, um, so, you know, and I think, you know, in the past, well, in the past 15 years or so, the opioid epidemic is now at astronomical proportions, which is heartbreaking. Yeah. And so the venture capitalists see that, see the dollar signs. Okay. Things are just getting worse with this epidemic. We can capitalize on this. And so now you have these venture capitalists opening up these treatment centers. They have no clinical background. They know nothing of recovery. Um, there are, you know, there's no personal attachment to the field whatsoever. And they're just making money off of people. They are, you know, and also the consumer doesn't understand the difference between in-network and out-of-network. So when programs have on their website, we take insurance, mm-hmm. people may assume, oh, okay, well, this will be covered by my insurance. I met my deductible. I'm good to go. But there's just, there's a very big difference. There is a cost. And if they say, and if they say, you owe nothing up front, we're just going to charge your insurance. It's, they're going to get billed at the end. They will get The person's going to get billed. They will get a bill. Yes. Um, So that's another that's another red flag. Again, nothing's free. Um, so what, let, let me ask you this real quick. What, um, 
I just answered two separate emails yesterday and I get these all the time. And I also, you know, face to face come in contact. We had a, a good, a good friend of mine, um, you know, a, a, a relative of his situation, same thing on the street, no insurance, nowhere to go, wants to get help. Every time tries to go get help there, there's nowhere to go. There's either, you know, the shelter's full, the beds are full. Um, and so, you know, now she's back out on the street and she wants help, but she can't find it anywhere. So she relapses again. And it's just this repetitive cycle. I'm sure you see it all the time and that, that it is. And it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. And like the email I got yesterday, was kind of a, a similar thing. Like I want help. My daughter's struggling really bad too, you know? Um, and we don't have a lot of money. We don't know what to do. Like, where do we go? You know? And, and I have, a, I have resources locally here, um, you know, that I know about. And then I always recommend any of the 12 step programs or celebrate recovery. Um, try to find, find places in their area through the County or through the city. There's a lot of different programs, but um, I mean, what do you tell people? What are some options that, that folks can look for if they're in that certain situation? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is a very real problem because when someone's ready, they need to go then. Yeah. They can't exactly. be on two week waiting list because by the time they're up for that waiting list, they're not, they're no longer ready to go. Yep. That's one thing. Um, but we, we do work with a lot of different County programs, um, we work with programs that, that take medis, but it's, it's really the people that have no insurance at all that, um, it, you know, I, I wish I had an answer for you yeah. on that, but I think, but I think that's where the issue comes up that if I can get treatment and it's free or supposedly free, that's how, you know, they, they unfortunately get themselves into a dangerous situation because, mm -hmm. you know, there are some, there are some places where, you know, you, you enter the program and you really, you do get treatment, you get discharged, but you, you do get treatment and, um, you know, temporarily, but, and it's, and it's not a dangerous place, yeah. right? Yeah. Then there are places where they're doing the same thing and it is truly dangerous where you have a free bed, but everyone's using, yeah. um, and, and, uh, but they're not kicking anyone out because they need the insurance money. They need the bed money. So I, you know, there needs to be more services out there, more programs opening. Uh, so there isn't that two week waiting list at the County facilities that absolutely needs to happen. And I don't know if it's going to happen with this administration. Um, but, uh, where, where, where do we, where do you come in and start talking about personal responsibility though, with each individual person being an advocate for themselves? And obviously everybody's situation is different. Some people are, are so sick that they, they just can't do that. Others, you know, that, and I think that's where you kind of get in that sticky, that sticky mess of, um, you know, is we, we mentioned this when we, when we started talking, is it a choice or is it a disease? You know, and I, I'm not, I don't, I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. Um, everyone has different opinions on everything, but I guess back to my original point, like about being a self advocate and looking out for ourselves and going into these situations, um, like 
where does the personal responsibility aspect come in for you? Like, what's your take on that? Well, you know, there over 60% of people that, that suffer from substance use disorder have experienced trauma mm-hmm. and, you know, depending on the level of trauma, depending on, um, you know, the developmental stage that you were in, de- depending on the support that you have, uh, just whether it's your family or friends, you know, it's, it's easy for some people to say, you know, we were talking about this before, like, oh, just, just stop yeah, drinking. Just quit. Just, <laughs> like, get over it. it was 10 okay. years ago. Like, okay, yeah. you know, he's, you know, he's in jail now. He can't hurt you. But you can't unsee you can't, you can't erase what happened to you. Mm -hmm. And so, so the idea of, you know, um, escaping that for a moment or more, you can understand. Uh, but there is, if you don't have, if you don't have the introspection, if you, if you don't have the courage to, look at your situation and say, you know what, I don't want to, I don't want this to be my story. I want to change my story. I want a new story for myself. And I was, I was assaulted. I was abused or I I lived through a traumatic event. So looking at that as, well, you know what, I've lived through it. I'm a survivor. I'm not the victim. I'm a survivor. Yeah. So looking at yourself like a survivor and, you know, half glass, you know, glasses half full, right? Instead of half empty, then I think for those people, it's easier to choose recovery. Mm-hmm. And again, with, with a support system. Yeah. The support, with, the support system is, is absolutely it's everything. crucial. I mean, yeah, I know I couldn't, I could not stay sober. And, and, and not even, it's not even so much too about just not using drugs or drinking. I could not be in the state of mind that I have without, you know, my, my family, my friends, my, my recovery group, like the surrounded by good people. So, I mean, I know how crucial that is. And for folks out there who don't have that, um, man, their, their chances of, of them succeeding without that is, is really slim. You know, and and unfortunately, that's true. You know, a lot of people, especially families, think that, all right, well, my loved one's going to treatment, they're going to come out, and they'll be all better. They'll be (laughs) right. And so, you know, um, we have a family program at at Hazelden Betty Ford and all of our different locations to kind of explain all of that and just, you know, education and um, the dis- about the disease of addiction, but, but with families and loved ones that aren't educated and don't get it, then they're not super understanding and supportive and empathetic to what the person's going through when they discharge because they don't understand why they're not better. Yeah. And so it is important for families. This is a family disease. So it's important for families and loved ones to be support you know, be as supportive for that person as they would be if that person had cancer. Yeah. Uh, Because, you know, this, it's, this is a disease that remits and relapses. 
And, um, you know, they wouldn't shun someone that had cancer. They shouldn't shun someone that has substance use disorder. But as far as, you know, building a strong community, especially for young people, there is an organization called Young People in Recovery. It's youngpeopleinrecovery.org. And they have chapter meetings everywhere. So that's another way, aside from, you know, your, your, uh, recovery aid group that you go to, whether it's AA or Celebrate or Smart Recovery, um, you know, that's another avenue. So it's yeah. to find out what's going on in the area and and um, and just connect with people your age. Because as a young person, you know, you're 16 and now you can't have, you know, a drink or another drug for the you know rest of your life. That's quite daunting. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, at the party and in college and everyone's partying around you and you can't do that. So it's, that's a real, that's, and, you know, with the opioids being so prevalent in that, in that age group, it's even more important for them to be, um, you know, for them to be connected. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's, yeah, yeah it's so easy to get too. You know, those, the, the pills, they're so easy to get, especially for, for the youngsters out there. And, and, and then, you know, you want to get into, um, you know, if, if we went into the whole, the whole media type of, um, you know, environment of the music, the movies, the, the media culture that is portrayed on the youngsters, um, and not all of it's bad, but there's a good portion of it that is that portrays this lifestyle of popping pills and, and drinking and partying right. and, and sex with random people and all, all those, all those things, um, that don't really make up for a good, a good life. Uh, when we're glamorizing those things, I mean, I didn't know my ass from a hole in the ground when I was 16, <laughs> let alone even 25. And I, th I actually still think I'm kind of close from not knowing it at 36. But, right. um, you know, it's 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 a crazy game out there. And, and if you don't have, um, you know, the, the support around you and you don't have um, some resources around you, man, li life can be a can be a tough thing, especially when you're an addict, you know. No, for sure. I mean, and, and you bring up a really good point with the music. Um, you know, rap music has changed a lot and and it's kind of up, upping the ante, if you will, with, you know, with the lyrics and the songs and the graphic content about yeah. use. And even with the videos, I mean, like, you're, like if you're watching the you know bad and bougie video he's like cooking up crack and yeah, you're thinking oh, that's good. so you know that's not great for a child to watch and it's also yeah. showing them how to do it uh and so it's almost like there's a designed plan to infiltrate the youth um to dumb them down and and make it seem um you know like that's the normal way to that's the cool way the normal way to live you know, to, to live your life that, that is going to give you purpose. It's going to make you, and, and mind you, I mean, I know a lot of kids out there don't have good role models. I mean, the father figure in, in society today is, and the mother, of course, but I'm just speaking from a father's perspective is so, so crucial to have a man in the house, that role who can, um, who can teach a child, whether it's his son or, or his daughter, 
um, you know, values on life. And, and a lot of these kids, especially young men out there don't have that father figure. And what do they see? They see these dipshits, you know, cooking up crack in, in a video trying to act like that's the cool way to live. Like that is not cool. Like that is going to get you locked up dead or, you know, if it doesn't happen, you know, it's going to happen sooner or later, basically. And so, um, I don't know where I'm going with that because I start getting yeah, pissed off about it as I start talking about it. But right. no, I mean, <laughs> it's true, unfortunately. And, um, you know, like even DJ Khaled, you know, he has every morning he posts that he's drinking Ciroc for breakfast. Hmm. What is that? You know, he's he's somewhat he's kind of, you know, mainstream a little bit. But then he's, you know, he's with all the other more hardcore rappers yeah. So and and he's sitting there with his with his child who's, you know, completely dressed and supreme and <laughs> you know and that's a whole other conversation with all of those clothes and how outrageous the prices are <laughs> with yeah. you know supreme and vape and velone and just insane. So so that's the other thing. So you know there is is a whole culture of glamorizing alcohol and other drugs. Yeah. And also, also, I don't know, glamorizing just the superficial. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, you're, you're right on point. And I, and I was, I was going to say, as you were saying that, um, you know, vanity does not make you worthy. You know what I'm right. saying? Like right. what, what makes you worthy is being a good person, is being a good man, being a good woman, being a good son, being a good father, a, a good daughter, uh, whatever, whatever that is, that's what makes you a good person. It's, it's not all of this, um, stuff. That's why I say it's stuff. You know, people think stuff can, yeah. um, I had someone tell me a while back and I, I, um, I think I was talking to, um, Jacoby about this from Papa Roach on one of the old, old episodes. Uh, mm -hmm. I haven't even thought about this for a while, but, um, someone had once told me that a, a man's soul or a person's soul, man, woman, doesn't matter, is so large that there's nothing that can fulfill that soul except the spirit of God. So, I, and whatever your God is, I'm, I'm not, you know, I have my own beliefs in that everyone is, is free and, you know, open to have their own beliefs on whatever your God is, but whatever spiritual higher power is that fulfills you, like that is the only thing finding that, that will ever truly make me happy. You know what I'm saying? And so when we talk about the, you, you were mentioning the clothes and the, the cars and all, whatever, like that's, that is just shit. It does not matter. It's irrelevant in the end because when I die, I'm not taking any of that shit with yeah. me. And I'm, I'm sorry to go off on my little soapbox there. I just got fired up for a minute, Joel. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. But you're right. I mean, all the all the YouTube influencers like Rice Gum and Blake Linder and and all those guys. I mean, they have a massive, massive following. And with that following, instead of talking about you know the Air Mags or you know the off white that just dropped or whatever, then they can talk about you know something that is actually will help their audience. Yeah. Because audience that it's tweens and, and teens. But, um, actually the other day, Blake Linder, uh, said something really beautiful about Thanksgiving and he was thanking his parents and, um, he, he volunteers at, at the homeless shelter down at the Los Angeles mission. So I was really happy to see that because, That's awesome. 
you know, I, and, you know, at least it was something else than, you know, than all of the material yeah. uh, items that are shown on all of the, all of those videos. But that was well, nice. And, and no, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, some positivity to it. And I kind of want to piggyback on that if I could real quick, just because I'm just, you know, slamming, you know, hip hop and a lot of artists out there that are putting out garbage at the same time. Um, you know, uh, someone that comes to mind for me is Lecrae and Lecrae is, um, you know, uh, he, he's a great artist and he talks about positivity and there's a lot of positive and he's been through some stuff and he's he's spreading positivity. He's not spreading negativity, you know? And so there is artists out there too. And I, I think that, I think that goes to a good point. Even if we kind of, um, encompass this whole conversation up about all of the different things we've talked about, some negative things, we've talked about some positive things. And when we're surrounding ourselves with positivity, with good people, with people that bring us up and don't, don't knock us down. And with, with, um, positive communities and, and music and art and all those types of things that we feel fulfilled by, that's when we really thrive as people. And so I just want to encourage those out there. You know, I know you might be going through some shit right now, but, um, there's people that love you. There's people that care about you. There's people like Joel out there who, who are at, um, at Hazleton, Betty Ford, who can help, you know, there's people like, you know, me out there that are doing podcasters, other podcasters, communities, there's groups, all kinds of stuff. And just know that, you know, there's hope out there. I just want to spread that a little bit because I think it's so important, you know? Yeah, yeah, it is. And, you know, even if, for example, we have an 800 number, it's actually 866, but we have a number that anyone can call and ask for help. They can talk to someone. They don't need to commit to anything, even if they want a referral for we don't treat eating disorders um or and we we're not a primary mental health facility where we treat mental health and uh substance use disorder together but um we have we work with only ethical programs so if anyone needs a referral out there please call us even if you don't want to come to us please call us because you will get a referral that is safe and, um, and you know, you'll, so you'll be out of harm's way and it, and it is a, a reputable program. So actually I'm yeah. going to give that number out. Yeah, please do. It's 866-278-3638. So that's 866-278-3638. And they also have a Facebook page where they post, um, daily inspirations and just, um, you know, interesting, interesting articles. So we're, our Facebook is at Betty Ford center, West LA. And then our Twitter is at Hazelden Betty Ford. So those are, you know, just again, surround yourself with good people who are there to help you not to bring you down. Yeah. Yep. I, I agree. And I like that you pointed that out. Um, for those out there listening, if you need a resource, um, you know, it's a legit resource and I'm gonna give that number out one more time. Um, it's one eight, six, six, two, seven, eight, three, six, three, eight. I'll put it in the show notes in case you're driving out there or you can't, you don't have a second to write it down. It'll be in the show notes. You can, you can come back and check it out there. Uh, Joel, it's been really, really awesome to talk to you. I learned a lot today. I hope those out there listening, um, took some things away from this conversation. 
but yeah, no, it's really, I've really enjoyed speaking with you and thank you for everything you're doing. It's so important to get the word out there. And as you know, many people who are, who are listening to your podcast and it's really a huge way of being of service. If you need any more information, you can go to thatsoberguy.com. There's resources, plenty of uh, uh, other podcasts on there. Peace, love, respect to keep your blood clean.